0: Welcome to Episode 7 of Season 2 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by Change Up. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. Owen, it's great to see you, sir. We have a great episode on hand. How you doing today?
1: Yeah, Matt, we're coming off an exciting Sunday football. I'm sure you're pretty tense right now. We're recording this on Friday as the Packers, your team, plays on Sunday. So, you know, I'm hoping you're okay, to be honest, as we record this intro here.
0: Yeah, I guess when this episode releases, we will know uh, what teams will be facing off in the Super Bowl. I'm not going to try to make any bold predictions or jinx anything here. So just trying to soak in as much football as we can and hope that the pack pull through. But, you know, we actually have a Packers fan on as a guest today. If you guys didn't know it, her name's Katie Arendt. She's the assistant general manager for the Nashua Silver Knights, was just promoted to a new role with the league that will try to advance alumni relations and trying to get kids squared away with careers after their baseball careers have come to a close. So a lot of awesome stuff, and she was a great guest. It was great hearing what she had to say.
1: Yeah, you know, shout out to Katie. She's doing a great job both with the league and in Nashua, and, you know, excited for you guys to hear this.
0: Yeah, so we will bring you our episode with Katie Arendt. This was a guest that had a lot of hype she was really itching to come on the podcast and so glad that we could get her on to talk about the 2020 futures league champion nashua silver knights here is our interview with katie Aaron. at this time we are welcomed by a very special guest it is katie Aaron, the assistant general manager for the nashua silver knights and last month she was introduced as the first ever director of student athlete development and alumni engagement katie Welcome to the podcast. It's been a high demand in terms of getting you on. We're so happy to finally see you here. How are you today?
2: I'm good. Thank you guys for finally having me.
1: Of course. And this season you watched your team, the Nashville Silver Knights, win the 2020 Futures League Championship. What did it mean to you and how cool was it to be there in person to watch them do that?
2: I mean, it was definitely something special, especially in mine and Cam's first year, kind of at the helm there. Um. We're two young kids running a baseball team. Um, and I don't know if people had that much confidence in us. Um, luckily, the Creedens did. Um, and we definitely got to benefit off of having that support. And we put a good team together. Cam and Kyle did a good job putting guys on the field that needed to be there and making those adjustments as soon as we needed new players, whether they were going back to school um, or whatnot. So having them putting that together definitely helped. And we got to have fans, so I can't really complain too much.
1: Yeah, you did have fans, but there were certainly plenty of challenges this summer. Talk to us about some of those challenges that you had to overcome in the front office this season.
2: Yeah, so usually we are selling tickets come February, March, April, and this year was a little bit different in the fact that Everything shut down last March, Um, we couldn't go and sell group tickets and have suites sold out like we wanted to and how we were planning to, but we couldn't also give up hope because we needed to have baseball. Um, That's something that baseball is obviously a big part of everyone's lives in the Futures League, but to me and Cam baseball is everything, Um, making sure that we can get those guys on the field get them the exposure to the scouts that's what we just kept telling them during our zoom calls that we would have with the team. They're like, when are we going to play? We were like, we don't know, but we are going to play. And at the time, I don't know if we had the right to say any of that. Um, but we kind of kept up hope. We put together COVID plans for the city of Nashua, for the state of New Hampshire. And luckily they approved all of them. Um, we made minor adjustments here and there as things changed, but we got players there and we got it done very safely and we got a win out of it.
0: Yeah, you sure did. And it was so awesome to be there in person. We talk about it a lot, but Truly a special way to a unique season. Now, just talk to us about that front office relationship. Like you mentioned, it was you're Cam's first year at the helm, not a normal one by any means. We've had him on, we've had Kyle Jackson on, had John Creedon. heard about the entire experience from a lot of the different people within the front office and coaching ranks. But, you know, what has it been like working side by side with him, getting a chance to build the team, making adjustments mid-season and just kind of figuring it all out in real time?
2: Yeah, so I had a probably a unique entrance into that front office. I started as an intern in 2019 and kudos to all of the interns that we had this past year, um, whether it was in the press box, our ops guys, the ticket staff, they did a great job. Um, So as an intern, I knew what it was like to be in their position. I went from three months of being an intern and I was the ops assistant. So I basically helped Cam with whatever he needed to us working in tandem. And I think we balance each other out very well, where he has all the baseball skill and the knowledge. And I might have more of the organizational or the graphic stuff or social media where he doesn't have that. And I think being in the same boat, where we know we have the same goal. Um, we might get there different ways, but it definitely helps having us both there and we get along with each other. That's the biggest thing. Like from a, like a friendship standpoint, we definitely get along and that's definitely great because you don't want to go to work every day if you're miserable. Um, so even during the original shutdown, we would go into work and we would sit there and we'd watch whatever archives of baseball we had, whether that was the 2016 championship season or the 2017 or literally anything that we could find on YouTube that was futures league related. We just sat there and we watched baseball and we waited for the green light for us to start doing stuff.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure game day ops was fun, but also a challenge and definitely helped hone in those organizational skills. So, you know, what did you take from that summer, especially because concerning game day operations, it's a huge difference having fans in the building versus you know, not knowing what that was looking like going into this season. So how did that help? And how did you working together with Cam in that role help you personally this year in the front office?
2: Yeah, so we usually, we have a good fan base on a normal year Um, and this year was no different. And I know that you guys saw that when you came to Nashua, we have a solid group of season ticket holders um, and they believed in me and Cam and they supported us and made sure that we were okay, that if they could help in any way, they were there to assist us. And they've been fans of baseball in the city of Nashville for a long time. Baseball has been there for, I mean, the stadium has been there at least for 83 years and we've had different affiliated teams there and different independent teams. So they just like baseball. Um, And that definitely helps us out and making sure that they're supporting us. But from an ops perspective, it's different. We had to wear masks. Um, Obviously, that was the big one for us, wearing masks. And the heat is definitely tough. Running around, it's hot. But if we could do it and we could get through and that was the way that we were going to play baseball, by all means, we were going to do it. And yes, we could go into our office and get a quick break and get some water. But at the end of the day, you saw us, we were out there the entire time. There's very few moments that we're not out in the stadium or out in the press box or on the field helping with different things. Um, So having that good relationship with cam and being able to kind of know what each other needs at different points definitely helped us because we weren't stepping on each other's toes and everyone was getting the same direction. Um, whether that was the ops guys or making sure that the ticket people or the people at the front gate were on the same page. Cause we could only have a certain capacity of people there.
0: Right. And you're joining us on an off day when you're not in the office, I'm sure, which is a rarity even in January. So With this first season in hindsight and already looking ahead towards 2021, what are you working on at the moment? Like what does an average day look like for you when you're at home and during the off season?
2: Yeah, so we're putting together sponsorship proposals, making sure that people um, were comfortable with how their sponsorship went last year. Obviously, that was a lot different than what we had planned it to look like. Um, So just touching base with them and we realized that people aren't in positions to make solidified decisions yet. Um, There's still a lot up in the air about what COVID is, what it looks like for sports. Um, And so we're giving people a lot more leeway than we usually do just because we know that they're not ready to sign a contract right now. Um, But keeping that conversation open and making sure that people know that we're still relevant in the off season is definitely important because we only play baseball for 10 weeks of the year and we can't go into the schools like we usually do. So doing like virtual reading programs, um, making videos to send out to school so that they can put on their Google classroom pages. It's a lot different. I would much rather be going into the schools with the mascot and kind of seeing the kids. And that's the exciting part about the off season is kids get excited about the silliest things like Having a mascot there, reading a book or acting out a book, that's something that they look forward to and we look forward to having that, but we obviously can't do that. So having that going, um, we're planning for our um, baseball camp this upcoming summer. So we have two weeks of baseball camp um, that will actually be launched by the time that this goes out, um, which is great. And we were able to have three this past summer. So I think if we can do a lot of the stuff that we did in the middle of a pandemic, we'll be more than happy to get going as soon as things kind of clear up and the weather gets better.
1: Yeah. You guys have certainly run a tight ship over there and the behind the scenes has been awesome. You know, we've been following on social media as well. Um, Josh Cummins, our boss has been active on the futures league social media with the Nashville social media. So shout out to you guys, but from behind the scenes to on the field and specifically this season at the beginning of August, you guys signed Kyle Bouchard kind of out of a wing, just to, you know, throw him on the roster. He ends up being the championship MVP, what was it like watching him do what he did, knowing that Cam, as he quoted it, signed him off the streets just, uh, just two weeks before the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I mean, we weren't surprised by anything that Kyle did. He's a good ball player. Um, that's why we signed him. We weren't signing him to see anything spectacular. The fact that he was spectacular was amazing, but we knew that he was going to be a good fit for that team. And he's a good guy. Um, at the end of the day, you you guys have talked to him. You've interviewed him a couple of times on the field. He's a good guy. That He's a clubhouse guy. Um, he was very successful at Nichols and luckily has a fifth year over there to kind of right his wrong and getting that fourth year there that didn't happen um so we're lucky that he was able to come um but it wasn't a surprise he's played for other teams um he played for martha's vineyard when they um tied they were co-champions in 2018 i think a lot of people forget that that he was already a co-champion this was nothing new winning is nothing new to him um and he was around the 2019 brockton team so having him kind of come and get that championship. And the fact that he got the MVP was great for him. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about Kyle Bouchard.
1: Yeah, it was certainly an incredible story to watch unfold. And from guys on your roster last year to this year, we, we've seen you put out some names so far. Any big names returning that listeners should know about?
2: I think we have five or six guys that Cam has re-signed. Um, Nick Garino is probably the biggest one that you guys will remember. Um, he was the starter for game two. Uh, He had a loud crowd there that was for him um, up in the suites. And, I mean, he competes. There's nothing, like, complicated about that. He just competes, and he has the pace of the game. Might not throw the fastest, might not throw the hardest, but he gets the job done, and he'll go in there for five, six innings and just throw. And it it throws a lot of guys off because he is so fast-paced and just wanting to win. And we were lucky that we had him all summer, um, and we're excited to have him back, definitely.
0: Yeah. And before we transition into talking about your new role with the futures league, you're donning the 10 year polo looking very sharp when it comes to getting these players involved with the fans and with the community, you just mentioned it, you guys are huge on having the baseball camp. There's a lot of visibility in what the fans see with the players in terms of promotions. You know, you guys scrub the bases with the toothbrushes, do the crazy dance that I don't even know what to call it in the fifth or sixth inning. But, you know, how important is it for you to put those players and give them visibility for the fans and then in turn have those returning guys let the new guys know that, hey, this is kind of part of the culture here?
2: Yeah, I think building a culture is definitely the biggest thing that when Cam took over as GM, he wanted to make sure that we were getting good guys on the roster. Um, At the end of the day, you can be the best baseball player in the world, but if you're not going to be a good guy, we don't really want you Um, because you're going to be part of the community. Nashua is very proud of who they are, and the state of New Hampshire is very proud of who we are. Um, So being – having that is definitely something where we are like, yes, we want guys that are going to be good with the kids. Um, in a normal year, they could sign autographs. They could have the kids run the bases, but we couldn't do that. So a lot of it was what the appearance was. Um, we want to make sure that these guys are showing what it is to be a good sport. Um, and when we were nominating people for the Adam Keenan award, that was something that was tough. We do have a lot of guys that were, definitely eligible for that um, so making sure that they're getting out there but also doing it in a age-appropriate way we know that they're going out to restaurants and stuff in the community um, and they're good about supporting the community so making sure that they're able to be a part of what Nashua is and how proud people are to be a part of Nashua
0: so in addition to all the great work that you've done in Nashua we talked about it earlier You're entering into your first season working for the league as the student-athlete development and alumni engagement. So what was the motivation behind the position? How did it get addressed? Did you bring it up with the league office or vice versa? Just talk to us about how it came about and the inspiration behind the idea.
2: Yeah, so at the beginning of last season, um, I talked with Joe about the golf tournament. I know that they had tried to get the golf tournament up and going for a number of years um, with obviously not as much success as we had this year. Um, and so having Joe kind of take the front role there and having a Hall of Fame dinner and wanting to do a golf tournament, they chose me to help with that and be the head of the events committee. And I like event planning, it's fun. Um, it's, that's what we do all season. We plan 28, 30 different events. Um, and having golf there definitely was a huge hit this past fall. And we realized that we could get a lot of alum involved with that. Um, so Joe reached out to me and he had said, hey, I'm part of this alumni program with Northeastern. Obviously he's an alum there and they have a mentoring program over with coach Glavin. And so we were looking at it and I thought maybe we could do a little bit more than just have an alumni mentoring program. Um, We want to make sure that these guys are ready to go into the mentoring program because if they don't have a resume or a LinkedIn profile together, they might not be the most successful in what they're trying to get out of this mentorship. Um, So having those different aspects and then making sure that they're involved in the community. That was the community engagement aspect of the Diamond program and making sure that they're well-rounded. As I said before, Nashville wants good guys. The league wants good guys. We want them to be well-rounded. We want to make sure that They're going to go out into the community um, and not only represent themselves and the school that they're from, but the Futures League as well. Um, There are plenty of alumni out there. We've obviously been going. This will be our 11th season. So we have a huge network to pull from. Um, We just have to put it together. That's the only thing that we are lacking right now. And from what I've seen, there aren't other summer leagues doing this. Um, So making sure that we're on top of it and kind of, if we can kind of lead the way on that, by all means, that's, that's what we want to do.
1: Before we get back to our interview with Katie Arendt, once again, we wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to ChangeUp, one of the FCBL's cornerstone sponsors. ChangeUp is a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch and performance management application. By comprehensively and accurately tracking pitch activity and capturing critical in-game performance data, ChangeUp helps baseball coaches protect their pitchers from overuse and helps players reach their full potential safely. During the 2020 season, FCBL teams reap the benefits of the changeup application, including the ability to keep college coaches informed on what and how their players are doing here in the FCBL. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. Changeup is a clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. In addition, ChangeUp's analytics function helps coaches and players understand each pitcher's current performance thresholds and helps inform training protocols to get your players to the next level. The Futures League is bringing you tomorrow's baseball superstars today. ChangeUp is helping make sure those superstars travel safely and as far as possible on their personal baseball journeys. Are you ready to join the ChangeUp revolution? For more information, visit ChangeUp's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Change up every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Katie Aaron. Yeah, we're really excited for this program to get going. And Katie, if you could just summarize for us, what do you hope to achieve with this new position? Obviously, we have some high profile alumni in this league. How do you plan on trying to get them re-engaged in the Futures League? And what do you hope to accomplish overall with this new position?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I've been a part of the Futures League for a lot longer than I think what a lot of people realize. Um, My family was a host family in 2011, 12 and 13 for the Seacoast Mavericks. So I was around those guys when I was in high school Um, and um, we did have some high profile players that stayed with my family. And so whether it was guys like Ruben Sosa, who actually got drafted right away and didn't actually make it to our house um, or guys like Kevin Stenhouse, who became part of my family. These are guys that were part of the league very early on. Um, and now they're kind of established in their careers and ready to give back. Um, and having these guys ready to give back, not only will help our future players that we have, but it will also help the teams. Um, that's where you're going to get sponsorships from. That's where you're going to get group outings from and making sure that maybe their kids are going to be involved someday. Um, cause that would be really cool. If you have a guy from 2011, 2012 and their kids turn 18, 19 and they're part of the futures league. Obviously we haven't had that yet, but that would be one of the coolest things that we could kind of have as a league. Um, so making sure that these guys are still involved and we're getting everything out of it that we want to get out of it.
1: So obviously with this role, you are also the Nashua silver Knights assistant GM, as we talked about. So how do you plan to balance that with this new role?
2: Um, I mean, I'm still going to be doing the same amount of stuff that I'm doing for both. Um, we have off days on Monday, usually in a season where we have even teams. So luckily we'll have Mondays. Um, we don't really sleep in the summer anyway, so I'm not really planning on changing that. I have plenty of things to do and I'll just add this to my list of things. Um, we'll, Put out a good product for the alumni we will put out a good product for the current players that we have to make sure that they're still getting involved and using those off days to their benefit. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like yet, whether that's us going in to each different team on an off day or having a different type of player symposium at the all star break. But we're going to make sure that everyone is still involved. And I obviously have help along the way. It's not just me doing it. Um, Joe's obviously helping a lot. And then we do have um, people that have offered to help, whether that's and Ellie in Worcester or Dave Peterson or Brad Smith or um, even the Morehouses over at Westfield. So making sure that everyone's involved, everyone's on board. We do have coaches that I do think will definitely get on board with all of this because um, at the end of the day, they want their guys to be good guys too. They would love to win everything, but they, they want their guys to be well-rounded and want to have a successful future, whether that be in baseball or whatever career they choose.
0: Sure. No, I mean, like you said, the season's only for a summer, but this is a year long venture and trying to look past baseball for some of these players, which, you know, kudos to you for trying to set up a role like this. I think it's going to be awesome and really excited to see what happens with it. So, you know, you touched on it, your family housed players for Seacoast in 2011 to 2013. I feel like that's not super common for a family to know a league that's launching into operations for its first season And offer to house these players and give them a home. But, you know, like you mentioned, you live baseball. It's something that's been a big part of your family. So how did you guys get involved in housing players? And what was that experience like as you were, you know, eight to 10 years younger than you are now getting a chance to kind of get to know these players off the diamond?
2: Yeah, so I mean... We've been around baseball our whole lives, whether that be T-ball. Um, I did softball. I obviously wasn't too good at it. Didn't really pursue that one. I chose a different sport, but I used to complain all the time about going to baseball games. Um, I didn't like going to baseball. I thought it was boring. I didn't like sitting there and watching my brother play. Um, but he was involved with the Seacoast um, Junior Mavericks. So that's how we got involved with Dave Hoyt over at the USA Training Centers in Portsmouth. And they reached out to us and they said, hey, we need – some host families. This is what we're doing. Um, my parents were quick to jump at it. And in 2011, as I said, um, we didn't actually have a player make it to us because he got drafted pretty quickly. Um, so having Ruben Sosa, um, it was cool. He ended up stopping by and we got to meet him and he stayed in contact with my brother. And then in 2012, we had Kevin Stenhouse who played at Rhode Island. Um, he was a pretty good ball player there. Um, he was outfield first baseman and he was named um, the Adam Keenan award winner in 2012, which was huge for him. Um, he was part of the Seacoast team. And so that meant a lot to the Seacoast organization. And then in 2013, we had um, Joan Moda. He was out of Lynn. I believe he played for UMass Lowell, if I'm correct with that. Um, so having different guys, it was definitely cool. And we got to meet a lot of them, but I was in high school and I really wanted nothing to do with baseball. Um, and then I went off to school, obviously, and um, in 2018, my brother played for Brockton, so I was around Brockton a little bit, and then in 2019, I needed an internship to finish my master's degree, and I ended up at Nashua because it was close to my family, and it was the only one that really wanted me, so I ended up there, and it obviously has worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah. Um... So another role that you had, once again, we're talking about all these things because you've got a big track record for the couple years that you have been involved at the front office level, but you got a chance to reconnect with Dave Hoyt, who was inducted into our first annual Futures League Hall of Fame class, along with the other original owners and groups who started launching the league. So You know, how was that process getting a chance to talk to them and maybe pick their brains about what you want to do for this alumni program and just seeing the whole Futures League community reconnect after a crazy summer and a down period of about a month and a half, which I'm sure you were keeping busy during that time planning. But, you know, just getting a chance to see everyone back together and getting a chance to experience that.
2: Yeah, it was definitely cool. Um, A lot of these guys that were there, they haven't seen me since I was 14, 15 years old. So having them kind of see me in a professional role um, instead of like a little kid is definitely cool because I've grown up um, and I'm doing things with my life and they are too. But it's nice that they're there to offer their support and they're willing to help whenever I need anything. And I know that there's different guys that I can reach out to in the league, whether that be alum that were part of the 2011-12-13 teams that I'm friends with, or um, Dave Hoyt, or knowing some of those guys. I mean, even people from Brockton know me from when I was younger. Um, And Chris Hall obviously knows my family pretty well. And having those connections definitely benefits us as we move forward as a league, I think. Um, And we're ready to kind of keep those connections growing and making sure people are still involved with this network because it's much, much bigger than I think anyone realizes.
0: I can imagine the network and spreadsheet of players and contacts is only growing by the year. And I have to ask as someone who's always trying to improve my own organizational skills, how do you stay organized? What does your calendar look like? How do you make sure you're keeping track of all this wide array of stuff and, you know, getting the most productivity out of your day and your schedule?
2: Um, I have a big whiteboard in my office. That one definitely helps. Um, That one's usually reserved for like Nashua stuff, Google drive, is the biggest thing. Um, I know that Josh is new to me being on the Google drive, but I'm very into organization, making sure things are where they're supposed to be. Um, but as I said, I've had a lot of support with all of this. Um, it's not just me keeping things organized, whether it's Josh, whether it's Joe Pellucci helping, or even like Rob Pasey down in Worcester, um, all of these guys are helping out. So it's not just me keeping things organized. It's kind of a group effort.
1: Yeah. Shout out to all those guys, Rob, good friend of the podcast. We, uh, We love his organizational skills and, you know, he takes photos like nobody else. So shout out to, uh, shout out to that. And yes, Google drive is the savior. I will, I second that times a million. So transitioning from futures league stuff to your personal life, you were a swimmer at the university of Vermont. What was it like swimming at such a pristine D one program?
2: Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, when I was applying to schools, I applied to five or six different schools, and the only Division I program that offered me a spot was Vermont. Um, I was a preferred walk-on. That's no secret to the people there. I was preferred walk-on and made it all four years, and it was definitely an interesting experience being around um, that level of mid-major athletics. It's a very tight-knit group up there. It's a very fun athletic program. Um, We are the most northern school in new england so there isn't a whole lot going on up there Um, we're very close to the canadian border lots of snow um, lots of coal so you get to know people pretty well just because it is so close knit and the america east conference is great Um, they have done nothing but support their athletes and they've been such a great help to making sure that i know what i'm doing with the alumni program because i'm kind of modeling it off of what they're doing as their alumni program because they do such a great job with it
0: so you mentioned you were a walk on there. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. How did you, how did you come to realize that it was going to be a fit for you for all four years? And, you know, because you weren't on scholarship and you had to kind of carve a roll out for yourself on the team that it was worth the time investment that being a student athlete presents.
2: Yeah, it was, um, something that I wanted to do. I had kind of made that promise to myself, Hey, I want to swim division one at the time I said that I had no business saying that, um, being good in the state of New Hampshire is one thing, but being good in collegiate athletics is a whole nother thing. Um, swimming in the state is, is smaller. Um, there, there's talent, don't get me wrong, but it's not the talent that you see at higher levels. Um, and it was a grind. We, we gave up a lot of holidays. We gave up a lot of time with our families because we wanted to swim. Um, and would I do it again? 100%. The friendships and the connections that I made there There are definitely people that I know will be part of my life for a long, long time, but it's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. Um, You don't get to come home that often. Um, Weekends are for swimming and you have to stay on top of your studies and uh, swimming. I don't know how much you guys know about swimming in college, but there isn't a whole lot of scholarship money there. For Vermont at the time, there was five scholarships for 38 of us. Um, so there's not a whole lot of money, um, a fully funded program only has about eight or nine scholarships for women. So there is people competing all the time. Um, we obviously want the best for each other, but it's an individual sport in a sense. Um, so we kind of want to make sure that, um, everyone's getting the best out of it. And it's not for everyone. There are girls that I swam with that made the decision that this wasn't for them. And they'd rather just focus on their studies or transfer out. And more respect to them because they kind of made that personal choice instead of just sitting there and being miserable through practice for four years.
1: Yeah. And you talk about all those things, you know, being a walk on and the grind of, you know, being a college athlete. How did you use those skills that you learned in college, you know, time management and, you know, the grind of being a walk on and use it in your current role and your new role with the Futures League?
2: Yeah, having those skills definitely was helpful. And you have four years to kind of practice and hone in on what works best for you, because what might work for me might not work for you guys. Um, and that's something that I learned very quickly that I had a way of doing things that was different than my roommates. Um, I was very good at getting things done in very little time, whereas my roommates needed to plan things out and make sure that they were kind of building up throughout the semester. Whereas I mean, not that I procrastinated, but I could get stuff done in a small amount of time and do it very well. Um, And so that was different tactics that I had. And I worked while I was at school. Um, There's a lot of people that do work while they're still competing for whatever sport that they're doing. And I think that kind of goes unnoticed. But I worked, whether that was in the admissions department or at the YMCA or my final year with with the Victory Club, which is the um, stewardship um, aspect of athletics up there. So I worked, I I kept busy, um, but I had fun. Like, it's just just like normal, for me, it was normal college days. But I mean, for other people, it might have been a lot of work, but there are a lot of hours in the week. You have plenty of time to do things.
0: Yeah, so, and then after UVM, you kind of went in a polar opposite direction, at least geographically. You want to talk about having fun. Um, (laughs) So you went to Florida State post-grad What went into that decision? And also what was it like being at, not that UVM is not a huge athletics hotbed, but being at a school like Florida state, and then also getting a chance to, you know, complete a degree post-grad.
2: Yeah, it was definitely different. Um, when you're up in Burlington, Vermont, there's different ideologies up there than what is down in the south um athletics are big at vermont but it's more hockey it's winter sports it's basketball and then you go down to florida state and it's football it's football all the time and that's the only thing that we're thinking um so it was it was cool um to be around big athletics is something that I think everyone should kind of get the chance to do. And I know that you went to BC or you're at UMass and you, you do a football there, but when you go to like big Southern schools, it's a different type of football. Um, I mean, I was telling someone this the other day, we didn't have class on Fridays in the fall. Um, tailgating started Wednesday night for a Saturday game. Um, and when I was there, they weren't necessarily the best team in the ACC and it was still big football. Um, That stadium fits 79,000 people, and I grew up in a town that has 1,500 people. So seeing that many people in one space was, every single time, was a surprise to me. It was the craziest thing. Um, The stadium was massive. It's beautiful, obviously. They're national champions that have been there. And so there's a lot of history in what it is to be a Florida State Seminole. Um, And I was only there for eight and a half, nine months, and very proud to be a Florida State Seminole. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's an incredible program down there. And you said UMass has football. That's kind of a big word, but we do like to tailgate. So I'll give you that.
2: I mean, UMass, from what I've heard, UMass is going to be playing down at Florida state. Um, I think October like 21st or 23rd this year. So, uh, we'll see about football then.
1: So about 72 to nothing, Florida state.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I'm not a betting girl, but I mean, I take that bet pretty easily. (laughs)
0: Love it. Um, so also just, a. An interesting question. So Florida State and Vermont played each other in the, in the NCAA tournament. It was in Hartford. I actually was at that game. Where were your rooting interests for that one?
2: That one was tough. Um, I obviously am a huge fan of college basketball, for those that know me. But um, I tutored a lot of the guys on UVM's basketball team. Um, I'm really close with the guys up there, really good friends with a lot of them. Um, It would have been cool to see them win. um, But at the end of the day, I won either way. Um, But I I was in I was in Florida watching that game. Um, I was actually in Palm City watching it. So um, it was definitely different to see. But it was cool because I knew guys on both sides of the court. Um, So it was definitely a fun experience to kind of see that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I was rooting to Catamounts.
0: Okay. Yeah. You got to, you got to go with your undergrad. And there was a huge amount of catamount fans who came down from Vermont to watch that game. So yeah,
2: they, they travel very well. They are probably the best group of traveling fans I've ever seen, whether it's for any basketball or lacrosse or soccer, even swimming. I know we had tons of fans at our swim meets, which is crazy because not a lot of people come to those meets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one important question that we had to ask before we kind of transition into our final segment here, how long can you hold your breath?
2: Uh, that one, people kind of get that one confused. We we're very good at sneaking breaths. Um, so it's not terribly long, but I mean, for a normal size pool, which is 25 yards, I can do almost an entire 75. So down, back and down without breathing. Um, that was when I was in high school. Now I probably, probably can't. Um, but I can probably hold it for a good 35, 45 seconds.
1: <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I don't, I could not do that.
0: I mean, I haven't tested my limits in a couple of years, but you know, maybe we'll have to record a video and do a breath holding contest this summer. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll see about that. I'll,
0: I'll take, I'll once again, not a gambling man, but I'll, I'll take Katie's odds here. <laughs> All right. And final question before
1: we get to quick hits, how about a message to Nashua fans as we get closer and closer to the season?
2: Thank you. That's the biggest thing I can say is thank you for believing in me and Cam to kind of lead this team. Thank you for coming out and supporting us during a time where you really didn't have to come out and support us. Um, It was a scary time in 2020, and we still had the best fans in the league. And I will say that day in and day out. The people there, they love baseball, they love the Silver Knights, and they love our boys. Um, And so having that support was definitely something that helped us get through a very tough season. So the biggest thing I can say is thank you, and we'll be ready for 2021.
0: Yeah. And like you said, Nashua believed in you guys. And if you guys could get through last season, you can get through anything. So very successful season. It was awesome to see it unfold. But before we go, I know you're a faithful listener to the pod. You know, this segment very well. I hope you prepared your answers. It's called quick hits. Our final segment presented by Zephyr, the official on field hat of the futures league Zephyr high quality and innovative design since 1993. So Katie, we have a couple more questions for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. Is that cool with you? Let's go. Let's do it. All right, favorite player from your tenure with the team?
2: Oh, I've only been there for two years. Um, There are gonna be a lot of guys that will get upset. Um, Let's see. I mean, Kyle Skidmore is probably pretty high up there. Um, He was there for the last part of 2019. He was there obviously all of 2020. He also won a championship with Cam, um, which is pretty cool. So um, he's a good guy, obviously a great pitcher, but he's up there. Dylan Jones is up there as well. Um, good guy, competes, wants to win. Kind of tough to get to know, but he's, he's one, of the, one of the better ones that we've had there.
0: Yeah, another podcast guest. It was Greek and a chance to talk to him. Also another Florida guy. So a little connection there. Um, how about a favorite ballpark you've attended, whether it's in the Futures League or more broadly as a fan?
2: I love Holman, obviously, um, but I'm, my cousin got married um, on the field at Bush Stadium. So that was pretty cool out in St. Louis. Um, I do like the Florida State Field over there, um, Dick Hauser Stadium. Pretty cool. It's very um, historic, and there's a lot that's happened there with Mike Martin. So that was definitely one, but I'd probably say if I had to pick one, I'd, I'd say Holman right now. Um, I haven't really gone to too many recently. So, I mean, there's a lot of special moments that have happened at Holman in the last two years.
0: Yeah. So with that being said, good transition into the next question, a baseball stadium. And because I know your, your sports repertoire expands beyond baseball, a sporting event that are on your bucket list that you want to go to either soon or in due time.
2: Um, College world series. That one's, that one's a super easy one. Um, College world series is definitely, I think the pinnacle of obviously college baseball, but it's just cool to see that many people come out and support college athletics and the guys there, are they're excited. They want to win. And it's just kind of like March Madness. Anything can kind of happen. Um, and that's a cool environment that I think would be unmatched to anything else.
0: Yeah, I think Josh Cummins and Matt Gedman both said College World Series, which, you know, the fact that it's held in Omaha every year and the you know college fan base, that'd be an awesome event. Love that answer. Now, what would your walk up music be if you were walking up to the dish right now?
2: I've thought a lot about this one. In swimming, you get to pick your walkout song if you're the top seed for a heat. Fortunately, I never really had that chance. It was a pretty adequate score but nothing special. Um, so I've thought a lot about it. I mean, recently, it would probably be anything country. Um, there have been some good throwbacks that people have put out there, whether it's like old Justin Bieber, old Justin Timberlake. So I would say right now, it would probably be country, anything from Morgan Wallen, probably.
0: Well, yeah, you... Yeah, you've got a big Morgan Wallen fan as one of your co-hosts, and it's not me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that album's it's – it's, un- it's, it's unreal.
0: <laughs> I love it. Although Owen has turned me on to Morgan Wallen. I've been spinning him a lot more, so – but I can't take credit for that. <laughs> At any rate, how about a favorite big league team and player, whether current or historical?
2: Um, I mean, I grew up watching the Red Sox um, when you're in New England. And, I mean, in 2004, I was – eight or nine um so that's like the best time to kind of become a fan is when something big and historic happens like that that being said um my dad's from milwaukee so we kind of watch the brewers a lot um and for a long time they they were not great um but i mean my probably my top player right now is christian yelich which is a terrible choice but it's probably christian yelich right now
1: i don't think it's a terrible choice no the (laughs) former nl mvp yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's one of the best in the game right now. And Milwaukee, will get back on track soon. Hopefully. Unless, unless Mookie Betts and LA have something to say about it, but that's I, mean, a different my gosh, I,
2: think I hope they kind of get back together.
1: <laughs> that's a different discussion for another day. Anyway, uh, how about a baseball nickname or a nickname in general that you've been given over the years?
2: Um, never really got a nickname. Um, I mean, in swimming, it's just kind of your last name. It's on your cap. Um, it's written right here on the side of your cap. So it's kind of your last name. Um, obviously there aren't a whole lot of girls with nicknames. Um, I mean, in the league, I'm one of the only girls. So um, Katie is just pretty much the easiest thing for them to kind of call me.
1: All right. That's yeah, simple enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you superstitious at all?
2: Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. It's one of those things when I was swimming, I was superstitious. Um, you have to put your cap on the same way, put your goggles on, put the next cap on the right way. Um, in baseball, I don't, Cam likes to say that we're not really that superstitious, but I know that we don't have a good winning record if we wear our red polos. Um, so, that being said, we don't wear them that often. Um, usually, we'll wear them if we know it's probably going to be a win, but we don't have a good record wearing those red polos. Um, we, for the championship games, we wore the same thing, kind of made sure that we were doing the same thing that we did Friday night as we did Saturday, because obviously, Thursday was not our best performance. Um, so kind of like simple things like that, but yeah, very superstitious.
1: Yeah. Totally understandable. And in a baseball and swimming community, that's makes sense. And then how about a dream role or position that you hope to achieve in your career?
2: Um, hmm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I like being in charge. So something where I'm in charge of something that would be great. Um, whether that's in, um baseball I don't know I'd obviously love to stay in baseball but um I'd love to go into football too um for a front office in baseball or front office in football I couldn't complain
1: And then how about bubblegum or sunflower seeds
2: I don't really like either I knew this question was coming um I don't like either one of them really um sunflower seeds I just I find complicated um and messy so I don't really like that and then I talk a lot so having gum in my mouth is kind of tough so I don't, if I had to pick, it would probably be bubble gum, but I don't usually have either one.
1: (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. And then how about favorite ballpark food or ballpark beverage?
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, let's see. The Creedans are going to probably watch this. So I got to make sure. Um, I mean, Creedan chicken tenders are probably the best ones that I've seen. Um, And then drink, I don't know, probably... I mean, Holman Ale is a good one. Um, if you, I don't know if you guys have had it. You've probably been working while you're at the stadium, but um, Holman Ale is one that I think 603 Brewery brings to us. So um, that one's definitely just like a light beer.
1: Yeah, got to shout out the product. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, how about a favorite all-time baseball memory?
2: I mean, I mean the 2020 championship. <laughs> 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 um, we haven't really touched on it, but uh, obviously my brother was on the team, so that's something – that is very special um, to have a sibling there and win. Um, there have only been a couple of their siblings in the league that have had that same um, kind of feeling. I know that the Rounds brothers we had on the team this year, so they kind of got that same feeling. And then there were the Lions brothers in 2012 and 2013 um, for the Nashua Silver Knights. So um, winning a championship and having kind of everything come full circle in 2020 because it was a tough year and it was – stressful and I know that you guys saw me towards the end of that game and I was a wreck um whether I was crying or kind of collecting myself it was tough um and it was kind of we finished we won and we came what we did to do.
0: You certainly did achieve that and many bright moments ahead Katie I know you talked to us about the name drops between you and your brother and it being a little competition well we got you on the podcast first you've definitely taken the lead And once again, it's an interview that we've wanted to do for a while. And so glad that we had you on. So best of luck with all your ventures. We'll see you soon. And thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us today.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Absolutely. So this has been episode seven of season two of back to the futures, the official podcast of the futures collegiate baseball league. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and make sure to subscribe. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.